0: hello everyone and welcome back to the cyclocross social podcast today we'll be discussing the third round of the super prestige in merx plus and with me here to do that as all season is Isam. thank you for being here again Isam. yes thank you for having me today maybe not the most interesting races in terms of combat action but still quite some things to talk about and we'll start off by talking about the men's race where cyclocross world champion tom pitcock started his season Unlike last year, he could start on the first row, and he had a decent start, he went into the field around the 8th position. It was Gavin Kuhn who had the fastest start, but he was quickly overtaken by Lauren Zweig. Zweig was definitely on a mission today as he led throughout the first lap together with Niels van der Putte. We had a very good start for Stan 3, but Stan 3 is simply not the fastest rider overall. He was basically a mobile chicane throughout the forest section and significantly held up the rest. So that meant that Zweig and van der Putte were able to open a gap. Izebiet, the first one to pass 3, was able to bridge that gap. So we had a situation with three leaders. They had already at the end of the first lap a gap of almost 20 seconds on van der Haar, who had had a relatively poor start, Michael van Toerenhout and Tom Pitcock. Zweig, in that second lap, he didn't even attack. He just simply was quicker back on his bike on top of a hill, stretched out a small gap put out more power on the straight, dropped van der Putten and Isebiet, and from there on, he was gone and never to be seen again. He cruised basically towards victory, keeping his gap over Lars van Haar's stable at almost 15 seconds throughout the entire race. Van Haar in the final lap came a bit closer, but ultimately it wasn't to be. Laudensweig took his third win in a row and his fourth win of the season in merxbus ahead of Lars van der Haar. Behind that, the Paul Paulsauce duo of van Thurenhout and Isabit were fighting it out for the third place. Isabit looked to be the favorite, he opened the gap in the penultimate lap, but ultimately got caught and then got passed by van Thurenhout. So the European champion claimed third spot, with Isabit needing to settle for fourth. Issam, I don't really know where to begin here, because we've praised Zweig the entire season already. We obviously know his form is good, today's course is good for him. And well, besides that the course is good for him, this week, there are only a handful of courses that he can't compete for the win. Koppenberg, Namur, we already had both of them, and then maybe Havre, and that's on Boxing Day. So in this week, it's hard to do something against it. Van der Haar, in terms of form, is relatively on the same level, I would say. But yeah, he missed, messed up his start, and then he said well, I hoped Sveik would make a mistake. I was hoping it the entire race because I was so close and could keep the gap stable, but this Laura Sveik doesn't make any mistakes.
1: Yeah, indeed. I mean, you know, Sveik was from the start of the race spot on. He was there and, yeah, he was a man with a mission and he wanted to win this race quite badly and already four wins this season and not, not the exact crosses or something like that. I mean, two super prestigious, two World Cup. I mean, that's significant and... Like you said, we already have praised him quite quite a lot over the season, but there is reason to do so because uh, he keeps on getting the W, he keeps on getting uh, those results in, and he has been going well over the course of the the season so far. So I think that you know that you have to praise him for what he is doing so far, and especially for today as well. And, you know, van der Haar definitely was there or thereabout in terms of performance. I think that they were quite equal over the course of, th- of the race. But just, you know, the sand was definitely an issue for van der Haar. And also in the technical sections, it, it, you know, Zweig was just a little bit more spot on, I think, compared to van der Haar. But, you know, overall, I think they were quite equal. And, you know, the gap was, was made in the first uh, part of the race. And, you know, for van der Haar especially, he had to come all the way from, from, from I think, six, seven plays, go through all the guys in front of him. On a parkour like this, it's very difficult to, to you know, gain positions and make up your places. And I think that Van der Haar learned that the hard way that this race is, is it's crucial to be at the front from the start. And, you know, he wasn't, and I, you know, he uh, made sure that he got the, the maximum result out of it for him, I would say, and that was second place uh, in this race.
0: It's interesting you mentioned that you think Van der Haar was losing a lot of time in the sand, because yes, Zweig is a very good sand rider and it definitely looked more smooth, but I didn't have the impression that Van der Haar was actually losing time in the sand, or at least not a significant amount of time. Maybe a second, but not more than that. Van der Haar is also a very good sand rider, but his style was very different. It looks like he's working more, whereas Zweig just sends it in and then lets the bike do the work. So, where does van der Heer lose the race? You already say it. At the start he was 20 seconds down, comes back to 15. And then if you roughly have the same strength and the same good and bad points on the course, you're not going to close that unless somebody makes a mistake. And this Zweig is just on fire. The new environment certainly seems to be working for him. And I remember at the beginning of the season, when we were at the team presentation, he said, yeah, I want to win 10 crosses this season. And we both were thinking, 10 crosses? Yeah, probably 10 crosses in the exact series, and then uh, some races where nobody is after the World Championships. But he's delivering, certainly above expectations at the beginning of the season. And he will definitely ride on this form. Tomorrow we go to Overijsson, normally a course that doesn't suit him. I still don't think he will win, but against this fake, I would not be comfortable riding against them, ...even if you are on a course like Overijsse.
1: Well, definitely not. I think that the, um, the form is, is there. And even if the race is, is a race that you eh, that doesn't really suit you... ...if you have the form, if you're in a very good shape... Uh, ...unlike uh, somebody like Easerbeat today... ...I think Then, then even if it's not really a course that suits you well you still perform better than, than you normally would. And he's in a flow right now. You know, everything is going well for him. You could see it after the race with the post-interview. Like, you know, he was smiling. He had his child there as well. And he's enjoying the the races right now. He's in a flow. You're winning races. And, and, and you know, that, that can really motivate you to, you know, to give it your all in, in every race. And sometimes you can just find a little extra that's, can help you out and I wouldn't count him off for tomorrow I think that it will be difficult for him but for the podium I definitely think he is uh, you know one of the the guys that that will fight for that for sure
0: yeah he's definitely in a good flow and I read an interview this week with his mom, I think it was in newsplot where she was talking about some changes Zweig made. Zweig now owns an apartment in Mallorca and his mom said that he goes there regularly to do midweek training. So fly there on Monday and fly back on Friday, do training there it's pretty easy to do it's only a two fl- hour flight it's super cheap to fly with ryanair from charleroi and if you have an apartment there with a bike and all your clothes there you don't even lose a training day it's relatively easy to do and it adds to the situation that he bought a new house in belgium as well he lives in his street with his parents so he can drop off his two children there and that all makes it a bit easier for him and that's what he said or his mom said made the difference for lawrence and that, that is why this pace is a lot stronger, so it's definitely interesting that he's one of the riders that has gone from, I hate travel, World Cup, too much travel, Tabor, too far away, long transfer, to, oh wait, hmm, I can actually go to Spain for multiple times a week, so I don't think we should consider the the training he does there as a real training camp, but it's definitely an improvement compared to training in the dark and cold months here in the Benelux.
1: But that would definitely help. And in the interview, he was very, um, very relaxed. Uh, he was already looking forward to the grapes of tomorrow. At eh? to the, today it were the strawberries, tomorrow the grapes. In uh, overijse, uh, he is. Um, he looks like you said he looks in a very good place and that is that's definitely what you need as, a, as, a, as an athlete you need to definitely be in a in a place where you feel good not only uh, physically but also your your mental state is very important and I think that he found the right balance right now and uh, you know it, it's going well, very well for him so um, yeah that's 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 what we love to see obviously.
0: If we look at a couple of other riders that were in contention for the podium, we basically come to a treat end of Paul Souser riders, although realistically Van Turenhout and Isebiet were the only two really fighting for the podium. Ryan Kamp at some point came close after a relatively poor start, but then as soon as he was almost about to rejoin them, he had to hop off his bike in the sand pit. It was a pretty serious sand pit today, so he needed to settle for fifth, which is still a very good result for him. Finally things are apparently going his way, struggled a bit, but good to see him back. But back to the fight for the podium, Van out against Easterbeat. There'd been a lot of talks that van out should have let Easerbeat take the third place because of the super prestige classification. What's your thought on that?
1: Depends on what they had discussed before the race. Um it might have been that 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 Iserbeet, you know, said that he didn't feel great and you know that he's struggling a little bit, and you know that he doesn't feel um, very good. But if Iserbeet does really does have the intention to complete the whole Super Prestige, and the Super Prestige is his goal, you know, at the moment I think that he is looking a little bit better in the classification than Fanturinot. Then you could argue about that, but it's it's in the end it's for a spot on the podium. It's still a bit too early to already play these tactics or let the one guy wait for the other and 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 give this position to this guy it's it's maybe a little bit too early I mean Iserbiet is at the moment just not really at his best that's that's visible Van Thornhout on a you know on a good day right now felt quite good and I think that he in the last lap you know you cannot wait for Iserbiet and 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 Give him that position, especially if you have the legs to to beat him in the end. So I think that he made just the right decision and uh, I, I wouldn't have waited and he did the same. So I think that it's, um, in my eyes, it's the correct way what he did. And yeah, the team tactics, they can wait for the last two races when, you know, the classification is a little bit more settled.
0: I agree. It's too early for that. Van out is now only two points behind. He's in the classification. He's beat himself is... Not on the best form. I think that last weekend he definitely was unlucky in Niel with the crash. And then in Beekse also with the start. But he's definitely not in the best place. It looks like he's struggling mentally a bit as well. And the form is not as good as it was before. His injury is playing up again. And well, it's just not ideal for him. So why would you gamble on Easy Beat now? Yes, Super Prestige is super close. Every point counts. But the same goes the other way. At the moment, Sveik is on fire and he is looking lively. He is leading by three points. But you don't know if he can hold this form for the rest of the season. Who knows what happens when we come towards the end of the season. We're going to Middelkerk, we're going to Gullichem, Dichem, Zolder, Boom. Boom might be a cross where Zweig struggles, especially if it's muddy. Who knows, maybe Van Toerenhout wins there. And then Van Toerenhout can be in contention again, so... It's too early to do this, because that one point that might come and bite Isebiet at the end could equally be a point that could come and bite Van Turenout in the end, where they say, oh, in the third race we pulled the Team Tactics, and now in the eighth race Van Turenout is our guy that can still win, and he loses by one point, which we could have had if we didn't play the Team Tactics. Van Turenout at the moment is simply the best rider on the Paul Sousa team. I'm expecting quite something from him tomorrow. Today was not a course for him, he rode a pretty decent race, For him the same win as for van der Haar bad opening lap but what played more part for van Turenout was also that this course was too technical for him and that ultimately cost him or didn't cost him it just meant that he just wasn't good enough today technically van der Haar and Zweig were just better and I think also in terms of power they were better but on the other hand there's an argument to make that van Turenout was racing with tomorrow in the back of his head but we didn't really hear anything about that so who knows Let's look at our entire top 10 then. Zweig taking the win ahead of Van der Haar, Van Toorenhout, and the Ryan Kamp was in 5th, we already briefly went over his race. 6th place was for Niels van der Putten ahead of Tom Pitcock, Felipe Oerts and Kevin Kuhn was the 10th place went to local home hero Jens Adams. Let's start and talk about Niels van der Putten. Van der Putten at the end of the race still overtook Tom Pitcock, who we'll talk about in a bit. What do you think about the race of Niels van der Putten Sam?
1: Well, I was seeing him in the first lap, and I was um, I was a bit afraid that he would completely crack down in the race because it was quite a quite a fast pace that he was um, trying to to hold in the, in the opening of the race, and you know he he kind of paid the price for it halfway through. But as as Van der Putte does uh, does best in the last couple of laps, he's, he finds something back and even able to then in the end overtake Pitcock who was running in sixth and I think that overall I think his race was was definitely good you know him and and, and Kamp definitely had a very good race but it's also parkour where uh, the power is is a little bit limited eh? the, the the straights are not really there so you can really lean a little bit more on your technical side and there is also some places where I wouldn't say you can recover, but you, you, you don't really have to be on, on, on maximum heart rates and really pushing yourself. So uh, I think that he benefited a little bit from that, from the put as we know, technical rider, knows knows how to go through a corner. And, you know, that helped him, I guess, in the race in the end. And that's, uh, the, you know, with a good form, then you're able to to finish in the top 10. And I think for him, that's that's one of those good results, I guess.
0: I think all the riders here know how to go through a corner, but some know how to do it faster than others. And Van de Putte today, as you say, it was a course that kind of benefited him. Although he is a very all-round rider, he can do almost everything. So I'm not too surprised to see him do well today. He's definitely a bit above where we see him usually. But he's definitely growing into this rider that is always in the top 10. And the question is, can he, because he's still young... Next year, a second-year elite, make another step and then potentially challenge occasionally with the front runners, the likes of Sveik van der Haare and van Turenhout. I do think it's in him. It's just a matter of time before it comes out. If we go back to the topic of cornering, then we immediately come to the rider behind him. Tom Pitcock started his cross-season here. For the third year in a row, he starts the season with a seventh place. In the previous podcast, I had expected much more from him. But that was based on a different image of the course. I remember last year's course was pretty fast. It had a lot of straights. And then I thought, okay, well, it's going to be rainy, but it's not going to get too muddy. So Pitcock should have the advantage of having the good form. I think the part of the good form held today. He said it himself in the interview, my form was good and it looked to be good on the straights. He had the power that was good enough. But it was, as usual, the technical part that wasn't good enough. And that technical aspect, there was a lot more of that in the course this year. All these long straights that they were last year, they had taken them out. They had replaced them, broken them up with corners, added some man-made hills, another corner there, some weird jump in it. So that really changed everything. And that's where Pitcock was definitely struggling we could see it every lap in the sand his sand passage it's already not a strength of him and today it was just a lot worse he lost four or five seconds there almost every lap needed to get it off sometimes when others were riding then he's able to get through but he's just putting out raw watts to get through instead of flying through like Swake did that's definitely what cost him a lot of time, and then the technical sections equally. He lost the connection with the group almost every lap there, and then on the power sections he needed to close it, and that's something you cannot keep doing. Then he was still in contention for fifth, crashed, and from there on I think he wasn't really too bothered anymore, and was didn't seem too bothered with Van de Putte ending ahead of him, but overall, not bad based on the course.
1: Definitely not bad, I mean... His first race back um if you look at the preparation that he has been doing i think he was off the bike for a couple of weeks i think and then trying to to get back on the bike is always a struggle and i think the form form is there uh, you know, even after the race he looked quite good when he crossed the line he looked quite good and I, you could really see that it wasn't you know he lost quite some time in the corners technically he struggles not not technically in a way but just the, the way he was you know you just have these days that you don't feel connected with your bike. And I think that was a bit going on with Pitco. I th- give him a couple of races and you will see him go a little bit different through the, through the corners. When you train, you don't have this pressure of the race. And I think, you know, right now when you're in a race, you have to do everything just a little bit faster and a little bit more consistent in that as well. And I think that he kind of lacked that. And I think tomorrow already when we go to a race where you can use your 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 engine a little bit more i think for pitcock it will be a a better day than 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 it was today
0: yeah and that not having the connection with the bike is just a direct result of being off the cross bike for so long he said he didn't do too much cross specific training before he got into this race and that showed it's the same as every year he's struggling to get into a rhythm and once he settles in he reaches a decent level so tomorrow already over iso which is a less technical course more on the power i really see him do better there and he said he thought he needed three weeks to get to his maximum achievable level or well not in terms of form but really get the feel with his cross bike so yeah i think we just need to wait and i think as i already said I don't want to repeat myself too much on this course the conditions that were today with a bit of mud it's definitely not bad I think for the rest in the top 10, there was not too much. I mean, it's nice to see Orts and Kunin there again, but they're almost becoming usual suspects in the top 10, which was definitely not what we expected before the season. They definitely made a step again this year, but we don't need to go over them every week. But still, cool to see them in the top 10, a Spanish and a Swiss rider that are making steps and ways into becoming solid top 10 riders, which is very nice to see. Let's go and talk about the women's race then. In the women's race we had this fastest start for Mariana Foss, the world champion was off to a flyer but already halfway through the lap got overtaken by Alvarado. Voss had some problems re-clipping into her pedal and that was the sign for Alvarado to keep pushing. She overtook Voss and opened the gap and from there on Alvarado was gone. She was never seen again by the opposition. She kept the gap at 16 seconds and eventually started extending in a bit to 20 and then held back in the final lap. She took her second win of the season and is now the leader in the Super Prestige. Behind we had the two competitors in the Super Prestige classification fight it out for the remaining podium places. Betsman van der Heide overtook Voss, dropped the rest of the group that was in their wheel and then were, well, coherently working together somewhat in the chase of Alvarado, although it didn't matter too much on the course today. And then after that, in the penultimate lap, Betsema went in for a bike change. Van der Heide opened the gap, but then Betsema on the fresh bike was able to re-overtake Van der Heide and settle for second, with Van der Heide claiming another third spot in the Super Prestige. Alvarado taking the win today. Absolutely flawless ride on a course that is very good for her with the technical sections. Small hills, some stairs. It just looked all so smooth for her. Perfect ride by her today.
1: Yeah, Definitely, I mean, it was key for her to start well, and she did. And she had a perfect lead out by um, by Foss, the world champion, uh, pulling her in, in that first lap. And you know, even in that first lap, she was able to, to get around. And yeah, then it was uh, five, ten, fifteen seconds, and she held that you know, that gap quite well and didn't make that many mistakes, went through it good, and then, then you are the deserved winner. And I think for her, it is you know, you can see that. The confidence is definitely building. It's having you not know, a lack of, of confidence, but you you know when you have these races where eh, you miss one or two, it's good that you then can take the advantage of that and and, and just get the win. And I think for her it's um, very important because of the classification as well, where she's doing well. She's now tied with uh, Betsima. so I think overall for her um, you know great business and it, it you know it looked good uh, the way she was riding around the Max+. Plus.
0: I don't really want to say that Alvarado is now well and truly back because she was never really gone. Her last season was definitely a bit below her own expectations and sure, was not great. But come on, she almost ended on the podium at Worlds, had a couple of podiums, was in contention for the win in Baal. It was always clear that the talent was still there and we all know that she was sick and that that really affected her and that she's now well and truly at her best level of fitness and that means that she's able to compete for wins here and here in Merx Plus yeah it's just looking good the only question I have is maybe for you Issam do you think that maybe Alvarado is racing too much because her schedule is pretty loaded she's doing super prestige and some exact crosses she's doing the world cup Meanwhile, we see that the likes of Peter Van Empel, yes, they are younger, but they are only doing the World Cup. So do you think that that's a very wise decision and that maybe the cross calendar as we know it, where some riders do 30, 40 crosses a season, is maybe not the best approach? And that the fact that some riders, for instance, also Betsema, are doing that, that that might come back to bite them at the end of the season towards the Christmas period, Worlds, or after that?
1: It can it can definitely play a role. I think tomorrow it will play some sort of a factor for the guys, uh, you know, both women and men that um have been racing in max Plus. It it will definitely uh, you will definitely feel in the legs in in Overijs, But I feel that it's still a bit too early in the season right now that th- those efforts will will count that much. I think that's like you said, the Christmas period you will you will see it and you know. As as a rider, you just need to make sure that you make the right adjustments. The moment you feel not so well, and it, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to race three uh, three races in a week, then you you might have to skip one or two, and and you have to work up to to the goals that you have. And I don't know what Alvarado had in in terms of goals in the beginning of the season. Were it more the championships, or was he more looking into a uh, a good placement in the classifications? And I think you know you plan a season well ahead so she I I think that she knows what she's doing she has the professionals around her but it will definitely play a factor later on in the season uh, what those under 23 are doing uh, right now definitely the likes of Van Ampel and, and Petersen, that they are choosing their races and they are a bit more conservative with their energy and that will always be a benefit at the end of the season but the question will be how how much of a benefit it will be
0: i don't think it will as you say have an influence at the moment but it is very interesting going forward because we discussed this some weeks ago is the super prestige losing value on the woman's side yes on the men's side everybody is doing it but overall if we look at the scientific data there is women need a bit more recovery than men as well so you could arguably say that it's a logical, scientific result that the women are the first to prioritize the World Cup, as that is the most important, and that therefore Super Prestige and X2O are losing in terms of depth of the field. I don't think that it will mean the end for this series. I think that with how big the World Cup has become, we won't see the woman do all three the series. we can already see that Alvarado has made this choice super prestige with World Cup. Van Empel is leaning towards World Cup X2O. Pieterse is only in the World Cup. Van Androy does a bit of everything, but is looking to lean towards X2O and World Cup as well. So that could keep it in balance, but really make the World Cup the biggest thing there is, because everybody will choose the World Cup. So it will be interesting to see if these younger riders that are coming through the ranks now are backstage he's doing multiple classifications it will be interesting to see if they also start prioritizing the world cup and then only do the world cup or if they will combine it and that this is only a thing that Petersen and van empel prefer because we do know that there are examples of riders who do prefer two races per weekend and they are normally better on the second day of racing so it will be interesting and I wonder what the future of the Super Prestige and 2.0 will be generally, but also just on the women's side, because that looks to be developing towards the Flanders Classics ideal a bit more quickly than the men's side. Then the second place, Betsuma. She ended 18 seconds behind Alvarado. She had a bit of a bad start, but I don't think that didn't matter too much. Today. Alvarado looked to be a bit better. Betsuma could have been a bit closer, but I don't think she could have beaten Alvarado. A decent race by her today however there's been a video of her in the first lap handing out a significant push to honsinger and i mean maybe i need to take a bit of blame for this because i've always said that petzman needs to become a bit less nice and gain a bit of killer instinct to finish off races a bit more often but this was in my opinion, at least over the line, there was no reason for her to hand out a significant push like this in the first lap against Honsinger. The video is on our Twitter for the people interested.
1: This is this is definitely not uh, something <laughs> which what you should do in a race, and it's actually a serious matter in a way. I mean, it's um, you know we had discussed it already with 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 Etherbeats in New, where. You could make an argument that it was in a way balance holding. and especially on such a hill, it's, it's difficult uh, that to, to, to hold your balance in a way. and you could make the argument about it, but today it was you, you couldn't really do it. It was a clear push, a forward push, and that's just something that you shouldn't be doing in a race. And you know, in the first lap these things happen. Uh, it's it's not a not a secret or something that there there are some 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 pushing left and right, but this was it was also a bit unnecessary in a way. It's the first lap. Sure, you had a bad passage through the through the mud there, and Hunsinger was able to to get ahead. But yeah, you you shouldn't be trying to have physical contact in such a way, in my opinion. But you know, like I said, it's the first lap. Maybe you you know you feel like you yeah i don't know i don't know what what yeah i guess just something uh, snapped and she did that and you know i don't think it's really something that 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 she does a lot we haven't seen it from her at all actually so let's hope it's the last time
0: <laughs> yeah it's weird because betsema is normally the rider who gets bullied around in groups i remember last year in the tower world cup five riders go into the last lap betsema is in fifth wheel not because she doesn't try just because as soon as it's a bit sketchy going into a corner that she's the first one to back out and now it looks that honsinger is riding into her path and probably she was like hey what's going on here why are you still on your bike everyone else is running i'm going to hand out a push it's weird that in the interview after the race there was like nothing about it and she said well yeah it was muddy and i had a bad start so they didn't even ask about it i don't know it was even noticed by the people in charge of the broadcast because there was no replay but It's definitely clear that Honsinger is still riding there and therefore is forced to go a bit wider and then receives a push from Betsma. It's no Formula 1 where you need to leave space for other people and aren't allowed to cut off other people. So yeah, Betsma definitely shouldn't have handed out that push and I didn't expect this from her. So I think it, as you said, must have been some incident, something snapped or just... I don't know I don't really know if there's an explanation for it I don't know if there needs to be an explanation but it's definitely a lot more than the normal first lap contact because it's normally bit of shoulders out sometimes a small hand like hey I'm here rather than this is a proper push you know and if we're going to start allowing these things it could become a free-for-all in the middle for the pack and that's not what we should have wanted if we once again turn ourselves to the rule book the rule book got altered this year. You might remember this part from the Fight View podcast. And the rules that have been included state the following. Any act of violence among riders or any other person results in a disqualification and a 200 franc fine. Any obstruction by a rider in order to prevent or delay the movement of another rider results in a disqualification and a 100 franc fine. I would say that this incident falls on both as a push is a clear act of violence and it is also an obstruction by a rider in order to prevent the delay of the movement of the other rider but then again this is such a vague indication that commissars even if they see like do you put this under it where is the previous standard it wasn't uphold here it wasn't uphold there so that can become a bit complicated so well let's not look into it too much let's just hope it doesn't happen again Let's look at our entire top 10 then, Alvarada with the win ahead of Betsema and the consistent ride by Inge van der Heide in third. Fourth place for Lucinda Brandt ahead of Zoe Backstead and Manon Bakker. Seventh for Anik van Alfa ahead of Ribeiro and Honsinger who received the push. And then tenth place for Marianne Vos who blew up spectacularly. Let's start with talking about Lucinda Brandt. She got stuck in the mud on the first lap, twice, and then still rode a pretty good recovery race ending fourth, not too far off the podium. Signs of improvements on her side?
1: improvements for sure and um it, it looks better week after week i think that you could definitely see that you know there was a, a basis and but she just you know kind of has to get in a rhythm the start was not great but that was that didn't really have to do anything with, with her former whatsoever you know she got stuck in the mud a little bit and had to fight her way a little bit back uh to the front but i think that overall the race was was positive and on the course definitely where you're not able to completely utilize the engine like i said it's it's definitely a good result from her side and i think that if i would have a guess around three four weeks we are going to see a a brand that will be able to to fight for victory again i think
0: Yeah, definitely was not bad on her end. I think she would have loved to be a bit better. But with that first lap incident, she needed to fight her way through the field. So eventually fourth could have been third. But well, signs of improvement that was better than in Beekse Also a better course with a bit more power, a lot less bumpy. So I think she can be happy. And the same goes for the two riders behind her. Let's start with Zoe Backstedt, fifth place. Season best result for her. In terms of high level performances i think she was a bit higher in Ardoya, but well the competition there was a lot less and yeah i think she can be happy with this result don't necessarily know if this is the perfect course for her but her form seems to be improving week in week out and that kind of fits what we've heard around ef education they are apparently planning their form into the christmas period and then to build up on that towards the world championships which are going to be held in the first weekend of february so yeah fifth place now is definitely a sign of that training progression going the right way
1: definitely and uh, she had a she had someone to to you know to follow quite well in in the likes of Brandt, and i think both went quite well through the group Um, and you know it was from her side definitely a very good race and uh, you could you can definitely see a progression over the last couple of weeks so there's uh, not a word light I guess in, in, in the fact that they are building uh, towards a very strong um, month of December and yeah it looks, it looks promising so if you can keep the line up and you can keep the progression uh, going like it is right now I think that's definitely something uh, to look forward to, for in, in, in the Christmas
0: period. The rider behind her, Manon Bakker, is definitely on a similar upwards trend as well. We all know that she had the knee injury at the beginning of the season after her cross races in Germany. She's been struggling ever since, but today was a good race again. Yeah, the conditions are better for her as well. Bakker usually does better in the more rainy, cold, muddy conditions. And today, well, it was not super muddy, but there was at least a return of some mud. I expect tomorrow to be a lot more muddy. And yeah, sixth place, she was in fourth for a while, ultimately faded a bit in the final lap, but also improvements on her side, and we know that the talent on her side is there as well. Then finally, Foss, 10th place, it's not what I had expected for her. She was leading in the first lap, and I thought, oh, what's going on, is this today Foss day, last week improvement, and this week just before she takes a break, the form is there, but it turned out that a very rare occasion of Marianne Vos blowing up.
1: Indeed, a very rare occasion. I mean, I had the same kind of feeling at that first lap. I was like, well, you know, the progression was was, was kind of uh, there. It looked to be going a little bit better, especially in Bexenbergen, so i i didn't find it weird that she was that she was there at the front and i thought that someone with with that amount of experience would definitely know how to make sure that she will uh, finish the way uh, you know kind of the way you started and make sure that you don't lose that many positions but you know it was um after the after alvarado passed her it was quite quickly followed by by betsema van der heide and it's you know, it just tumbled down and 40 seconds became a minute, a minute became uh, 1 minute 30, and in the end she finishes in 10th, I think. It's uh, difficult for her and, you know, interesting to see what she can do tomorrow uh, because she's she is planning to do the double weekend and what is actually the real reason right now behind the form that she is in right now. I mean, there should be definitely some sort of an explanation. Yeah, we knew that it was a, a busy uh, road season campaign that she had. Uh, but we are already a couple of weeks in and uh, while there are small signs of improvement it's not significant and then you're uh, wondering what's what's going on but you know she might surprise us uh, in the next coming weeks i don't know
0: does there have to be an explanation though the season is long and we know that she's building toward the world championships she's probably just showing the jersey now collecting some nice start money from it and i don't think that is the moving needle for her the start money but It's just nice to show the jersey, get a rhythm in, score some points. And then once we come towards the money time in the season, the championships, I do expect she will be there. She's going on a training camp now. She probably just rolled in with pretty poor form after not doing a lot of training after the world championships. It's fine. I think she will bounce back. Maybe she's not able to compete against this Van Empel Petersen, but the form, the talent well, it can't be disappeared that rapidly based on this road season, so yeah, we'll just need to wait and see. Let's run across Europe and take a look at some other results. There was racing in France for the third round of the Coupe de France in Camor, where Gerben Kuipers took the win ahead of Timon Rueck and Lloris Rouillet. On the women's side, Anne Morichon took the win ahead of Perrine Closel and Laurie Durafou. There was a C1 race today in Slovakia and saint and Victor van der Putte took the win ahead of Marek Konwa and Jakob Riemann. Kristina Zemanova won the women's race ahead of Alessia Bulieri and Katerina Ladikova. Racing in the Ardover Supercross in Ardover, Great Britain, Toby Barnes took the win racing for our own Garden Shed Verge Ribble team ahead of another rider from our team, Jensen Young. The third rider went well, on the podium was Bjorn Kurt was the woman's race was won by millie cousins ahead of annie last and kate ed that will wrap it up for today tomorrow we will be back discussing the sixth round of the world cup in Overijse. thank you for being here Isam.
1: yes thank you for having me looking forward to uh,
0: to Overijse. we will be back tomorrow with a new episode of the soccer social podcast then covering the world cup in Overijse. thanks for listening and goodbye